What's up, everyone? Welcome to Simulation. I'm your host, Alan Sakian. Pumped to be talking about Black Corporate America. We have Jewel Love joining us on the show. Hi, Jewel. Hey. Thanks for coming on the program. Yeah, glad to be here. Looking forward to this. Likewise. I'm super pumped. Very grateful to John Schinner for introducing us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for those who don't know Jules' background, he's CEO at Black Executive Men and Champions Mental Health, helping black men and women in corporate America find inner peace and positive mental health. He's also the founder of Urban Healers, which initiates urban men into healthy manhood by harnessing alpha energy for pro-social outcomes. Mm -hmm. You can find blackexecutivemen.com, also the urbanhealers.com, links in the bio below, as well as the YouTube channel, where Jules is now starting to post lots of really good content. Check that out. And also his LinkedIn and Instagram profiles. Absolutely. All right, Jewel. Let's start things off with some of our favorite questions we like asking our guests. Mm. We've been so fascinated with the nature of reality. Mm. What do you think is the nature of this reality? Yeah, so I was thinking about that a bit. And um, when I think about reality, I think about uh, kind of breaking it down to what's real. When I think about what's real, I think about perception. And there's multiple levels of perception there's this kind of waking walking world where things seem to be you know pretty tangible and tactile uh for the most part um but then you have other realms such as the dream realm where you know there's a lot of movement it's not fully clear how real that is but to the senses kind of like in the vr world it can feel very real so what comes to mind is that there are actually different levels of reality and perception that's happening there. I mean, there's even things that we can't hear or smell that dogs in this world are very keen of. So when we talk about the about reality, um, I think it's just, there's a lot of levels of reality all happening at the same time. And it may also be a question about perception. Um, what can we see on these different realms that are happening? My guess and, you know, kind of what we're learning in um, like AI and like superhuman intelligence and things like that is uh, there's going to be ways of seeing things and even processing energy or excuse me, processing information that we don't even have access to yet. So when I think about reality, nature of reality, I think right now for most of us, it's limited to what we can currently see and then we make you know, assumptions or deductions based on that, but we're really limited on what we can even, you know, witness with the faculties that we have and how much they're developed or underdeveloped, et cetera. So from that point, I think of, okay, well, if that's the case, then who may have um, some kind of like greater perception mm. that links into some deeper or all-knowing uh, reality? And of course, well, not of course, but my mind goes to Eastern traditions and, you know, yogic practices and yes. certain meditations and philosophies and practices leading toward or around enlightenment yep. and people giving reports of being connected to something much greater. So like the mind goes to like God or some all-knowing force or being or state of consciousness or awareness. Um so I think that's another perception of another plane um, connecting to uh, a reality that exists there and may permeate 
many or all of these other realities. I haven't experienced that, um, so I can't speak to that, but those are the things that come to mind. So all that context to say that I'm limited on what I can even perceive uh, the overall reality to be, even if that's a relevant question on certain levels of perception around reality. Um, But from this world, what reality seems to be to me now in this walking, waking world um, is something around, um, I'd say, uh, this interaction between uh, thoughts, will, uh, intention, and this connection between this inner world and outer world. And there's actually a play happening where things on our inner plane can be manifested on this slower material world. Um, and there's things beyond just what we think and what we believe, like the nature around us, which seems to just go, which just goes on its own. So what comes to mind is relationships. The nature of this reality, it's relationships between many different beings and entities, uh, life transitions, um, and death, um, and rebirth. I think that cycle, um, is, is the nature of reality as far as I can perceive it. Yes. Yeah. Do you feel like we are all one? Yeah, um, you know, I don't, I don't, it's an, it's an interesting question because there's a level in which, you know, uh, molecularly, you know, we're all, they're all, uh, all these mo- molecules are engaging and interacting with each other. There's no true kind of like, it's all relational as mm-hmm. opposed to it being some full on separation. There's yeah. always that. And we have that, right? There's like, yeah. from what I can perceive and believe, there's a separation between us and these physical beings and, and entities and these bodies, if you will. But there are like submolecular or molecular um, aspects to us which, you know, do connect. And then there's the spiritual realm and then there's deeper realms of spirituality where one could say we're all one. And I think it's a it's it's a matter of perception. I think in this here reality, no, we're not one. We're two or maybe more. I don't, you know, but two is what comes to mind. But I think on some other levels of perception, absolutely. I mean, I heard a metaphor that said, you know, it was like there's a hand and the fingers believe that they're all individual, but they're connected to the same hand and connected to the same body. Yes. So truly, like the breath of life. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever's breathing into us to animate us, I'm sure it's coming from, I imagine it's coming from the same source in the same place. So it's it's a yes and a no. And I think it depends mm. on the question of what realm are we speaking of? And what do you think is the most upstream issue that we face as a society? Yeah. Um, and I love to quantify or qualify. Um, when we say a society, are we talking about the United States of America. Okay, so the whole earth, mm-hmm. like all people on earth mm-hmm. right now. Um, yeah, it's interesting because, that okay, the overall issue that we're facing. Um, most upstream, most root upstream issue. root issue. issue. You know, earlier you were talking about this cycle, yeah. right? The cycle of the inhales that I take in come from phytoplankton and trees. Mm-hmm. The bite of food that I take of an apple comes from the power of the sun. Mm-hmm. The depth of interconnectedness is so visible scientifically and spiritually through everything that 
it takes our lens to be augmented or our perspective to be augmented to get to that degree. So sometimes it makes me feel like the most root or the most upstream issue is our lack of perceiving the interconnectedness as the truth and mm. our feelings of separation. And you actually write that too, yep. that it's the biggest um, issue is our feelings of separation. Yeah, so definitely wrote that in um, uh, webpage for Urban Healers. And that's, it, I think it's very true in many, in many ways, um, especially in the realm of psychotherapy. Uh, people feeling disconnected from the world around them, their their family, many times, or even from their se themselves, um, mainly. But to answer your question, I think it has to do with uh, most upstream, um, might be somewhat middle of stream as well, and in some cases downstream, depending on the part of the world you're living in, is uh, humanity's acceleration as far as population and our relationship to the earth as far as resource management yeah and the decisions that we're making in order to be uh, in harmony and in alignment with this planet i mean we're seeing population uh, growth from the studies um you know been around 37 years but from what i can tell we're exploding as, as a population and um just being mindful of how we use resources um on this finite amount of land and water that we have to utilize for now i mean there's you know movement to other planets etc but that's not here yet so i think there's just something real about here we have this one planet population growth um, is significant and how we're using the land and the resources on it uh to make sure that we can sustain this you know for ever like how do we do that um i think that's significant yeah yes yeah that's a very good upstream issue and that speaks really deeply to the interconnectedness the more symbiotic we are with our environment with nature mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what sustains us um given our population and given our uh uh desire to uh, extract more of the natural resources from the planet in order to yeah. make the technology and in order mm -hmm. to uh, power our energy uses mm -hmm. um is going to need to be yeah, recalibrated to a more harmonious yeah. degree in order for us to to actually actually prosper more synergistically. Does yeah, agreed. What does it feel like the purpose of creation is? Yeah, um, the purpose of creation. The word that comes to mind is value. Um, to create some value. The thing is, it might not always be a positive or feel-good value. Um, you know, diseases are created um, in some way, shape, or form, and then they're here, and then cancer, and it kills people. And so the people don't find a whole lot of value or as far as feel-good value in it. Um, but it does serve a, well, I guess that just goes back to purpose, but something in value. I mean, then I can take it more personally, right? There's just various ways to answer. But personally, when I'm involved in creating black executive men or urban healers or interracial couples counseling or whatever the brand it is that I've created or am creating, there's an interest to identify a need that people have or a pain point that people have or a sense of um, disconnection that people are experiencing and then providing a space in a world, really, 
for people to truly feel seen for their identity or internal reality that makes sense in the larger society um, so that they can feel like they fit in to that zone and they have a home, but even connected to the greater society that we have going on, which is why I say value. I want to create yeah. something that adds value and meaning to people's lives and yes. ideally a sense of uh, belonging. Yes. Yeah. Regarding the creation providing the value of this reality where we can endeavor into consciousness and experience the illusion of separation where we ourselves can bring forth some sort of gifts and value into the world that transcend us. Mm. Does it feel like modernity is missing some sort of more primordial indigenous principles around interconnectedness, symbiosis with the environment, deep love with one another? Does it feel like those principles are missing from modernity in this grand time trajectory that we've had where point one percent of it's been in the industrial revolution and enlightenment era another 99.9 percent's been since the beginning of humans through the agrarian times until now does it feel like we're overly hubristic in modernity overly self-confident hmm. overly self-confident and then we're missing some of those principles yeah yeah overly self-confident doesn't necessarily come to mind for me um but missing some of those principles, I'd say definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, it just people are feeling isolated. Many people um, alone um, in the world, uh, disconnected uh, through the, the hyper individualism that we have. And that's promoted and that's very much valued. And that's driving a lot of the innovation. I mean, we're, we're off the grid, man. Uh, we don't have to abide necessarily to this tribe's tradition where you worship the elders and what they say goes and your place in your 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 you know sibling line determines kind of your obedience it's like people broke free they can do what they want and there's a beauty in that there's a freedom and there's an explosion hence this america that we have here you know connected with this values of like freedom of speech and thought even um in action to a degree that in a lot of other cultures just don't it's just not you just can't do that because your very identity is a group identity and it's so locked in so I think, um, yes, there are some things that we are definitely missing, uh, that being that really group tie that a lot of people, I'd say probably indigenous people, they're like, I know who I am. Like, I'm these people. Like, not even just a person. This is my people. I am we, I am we kind of a thing. And there's a level of peace with that that they have that a lot of people struggle with in the West because it's so much about finding out the I and asserting the I many times, not all the times, and impacting society in that way. Um, yeah, so I see I see a missing, definitely. Yeah, I definitely see some missing pieces. And then it's you know incumbent on us to kind of, on those who want to, to kind of look back or recreate anew um, communities that are deeply meaningful for them for them here in this in this culture and that's definitely something that i've done and made a point to do and feel grateful really grateful to have done and be doing yeah 
Does it feel like the creation is perfect? Like there's a perfect harmonization of good and evil forces that are pressed up against one each other, pressure cooking, evolution. Huh, yeah. Um, got it. So perfect. I would say <laughs> this is a funny this is a funny question. I love this kind of question. Um Yeah. Yep. I would say so. This is what I'm saying. Life is pretty damn good right now. Yeah. That's what I'll say. It's feeling it's feeling really good and 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 I hold the perspective of um really being able to work with the situation that life tosses me or you or anybody and having an opportunity to work it out and that so much meaning can be created even in the evil or when necessarily use that term but just hard times that come by or things that are deeply confusing and folks don't have the or i may not have the answer to it's truly this opportunity to figure it out and learn how to surf that wave in order to find alignment with it and peace inside or uh, meaning inside uh, with it. Now, that's very, you know, personal. It's just my perspective now. Um, it's hard for me to exactly say worldview as far as the rest of the world. But for me, Jewel Love, yeah, yeah, I could see it being perfect as in there's an opportunity for creation. There's always an opportunity for creation and meaning making in it. Um, so I guess I'm flipping a little bit per- perfection into opportunity to create meaning yeah 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 Hmm. that same opportunity that you talk about to me is so deeply about that that pressure cooker that's happening that enables um the spiritual path to be uh explored Hmm. and so uh (laughs) The opportunity is there for it to happen. Uh, versus, Always. <laughs> yeah. Versus if it was lopsided in one of those directions, there may not be. But because it's so, it seems perfect that there is that opportunity for paths of awakening. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you see your childhood being born in Oakland and raised here Mm -hmm. do you see that and what you experienced growing up and how you got interested in black studies and went to major in that at UC Santa Barbara Mm -hmm. do you feel like that was influenced by your lineage and like going all the way back to like the traumas of the transatlantic slave trade and how that's affecting our the united states and even the rest of the world Mm -hmm. do you feel like that's deeply affected and also on the process of healing do you feel like the work you're doing now is a big part of the the society-wide desire to heal Mm. Mm mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, I do. I feel like it's definitely connected to larger society's movement toward, you know, wanting to heal, um, you know, uh, a lot of personal um, 
a lot of personal wounds that people have uh, many times that are um, put together with a lot of historical um, traumas, which uh, there's a ton of that there. And uh, the beauty of something like psychotherapy and getting back to my childhood and how it connects to psychotherapy in a moment is that um, when people come into psychotherapy um, and how it's definitely connected to the West and a beautiful offering from the West is it actually takes into account people's larger lineage stories, but it doesn't stop there. It actually gets into people's personal story. So I know for myself, when I was in mid-20s, went on this whole spiritual journey and uh, really mainly reading, a little bit of traveling, but mainly reading about Hinduism and Christianity and Judaism and Islam and, you know, just kind of took a walk around the block kind of a thing, (laughs) saw what there was to see. A lot of amazing teachings, none of them my own. None of them my own. It was about many other people's stories, none of them my own. And so when I stumbled on psychotherapy, it was about going into my own story. And the therapist I had at the time was really big on dream work. So when I talk about different realities and dreams, and that was a whole other reality, which just opened up this intelligence to things I had never, this body had experienced, but some part of me was living it. And it was very, very real. Um, And it helped me not only tap into what my lived, lived, lived story had been in this body, but a living into other narratives on other planes that became very, very real for me. And so my own narrative started blossoming, really. And I found that to just be a beautiful gift. It was just mind opening. Um, It wasn't limited to this realm, but it was very much coming from inside of me. And so it was just empowering kind of personal relationship. So for me, when I think of healing, uh, this is my primary modality in psychotherapy. And um, I think it's a beautiful connection to all of our lineages and people that are Jewish or black or Scottish or this, 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 this. But then there's something uniquely your own and giving people the opportunity to really be with and cultivate and know and explore this endless place inside of them and have that kind of relationship that's actually beyond their skin or their gender or sexual orientation, et cetera, et cetera. I think there's a level of uh, freedom in that experience. And so, yes, I definitely work with um, uh, black corporate America, but even in that work, it goes into some realms that are highly personal, which do relate to race, but also relate to things that are not necessarily based about race, but pull from other narratives and realms that come from within that individual as well. Yeah, so put that out there around healing and then my relationship like to it and how I find value in relationship to it is having that experience with people because I get to go on the journey too and that's fun for me. Um, Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so yes to society, but also yes to Jewel Love. Like yes to what I get to experience with people in that that relationship. It's a unique relationship. It's a very personal relationship. Beautiful. Deeply yeah. intimate. Yes. But also 50 minutes and it's bye. You know? It's very unique relationship. Yeah. And I don't see them again until the next time they come in. I may not even think about them till the next time they yeah. come in. Yeah. Um so unique. It yeah. is. And so beautiful. Would you call it a 
an ascension that you get to go on with the different people in psychotherapy with you? You know, when I, that's an interesting word. I like that. I like that. Cause there's like an, you know, an elevatedness yeah. to it, but it's not always in an, in, in a, a blast off, right? Sometimes <laughs> it's a deep dive. Sometimes we yeah. just cry yes, together yes, yes. and I'm not crying. I'm not sad about anything in my life at that moment, but yeah. because of what they're bringing in, yeah. I get to go there in me and tap that place in me and be there with them. So I think for me, you know, psyche, root word, soul is what it feels like for me. It's whatever the realm of the soul is, it feels like I get to hold space and open that up and be with people on the realm of the soul, wherever that goes. I love that. Joyful places, deeply painful places, deeply yes. angry places, deeply wounded places, and get to be with people in those places. And because our society, this Western world, maybe that's the difference from some of these tribal or indigenous communities where they have rituals that people can bring in sadness or grief and the community would process that with them. And in the West, we don't for many of these things. Somebody has a, a miscarriage, they may tell their homegirl and keep it pushing and hold it deep inside of them about how traumatizing or painful it is until they boom they're in with a therapist and now they have somebody who can hold them yeah. energetically and psychologically to to process that experience and so therapists kind of hold that indigenous in in a way this realm of the soul kind of holder in the modern era yeah. and we dress like this but in reality we may play a role similar not the same but is maybe like a shaman or an indigenous healer in another tradition or culture. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm sure you you know, what I'm sure you know that though. though. I'm sure you've heard that. I don't, I don't think people uh, make um, the jump from, uh, it's a really interesting comparison. It's a great uh, comparison between uh, the indigenous uh, shamanic or uh, tribal healers that that know plant medicines and that know the depths of the psyche and uh, the interconnectedness of that web of life and then versus in modernity where you have um, psychotherapists that hold space for what feels like uh, many times people that are um, that are feeling very uh, unfit in the economic machinery in some way or mm -hmm. in their familial mm -hmm. machinery in mm -hmm. some way. Um, and that psychotherapists do hold that space. They hold that space for the depths of the psyche um, as well. Yet there is a proclivity to prescribe like pharmaceuticals yeah. um, rather than um, leverage uh, like plant medicines yeah. and leverage med which is meditations. Which, which could be changing, you know? Yeah. That's a holistic, exciting too. Holistic is bringing that West and that east yeah and south and, and south and north, north yeah. yeah exactly yeah we just in the last episode Dustin, we were talking about that exactly i saw that the, the south and, and yeah yeah the south and north come together too mm -hmm. um with the east and west mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly i like that jump i think it's a really good jump i think it's also important to express how you 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 know how you're putting it which is that holding space from the heart to um help that person um, go on their path, their, their spiritual journey, mm -hmm. that there's some sort of an ascension, there's some sort of an evolution, some sort of a process of growth that happens that you get to 
be there with them that you get to oh, be yeah. conducive. I love it. That's why. That's why I do it. <laughs> you know, this is crazy because when when someone like you know you're young, by the time you're in your later parts of your life, you're gonna have seen tens of thousands of yep. of people. Mm-hmm. You're gonna know the ins and outs of the psyche, and and that's gonna that's a real privilege, and yeah. you have a big responsibility to to also. Um, kind of like find the patterns and like share what you're finding absolutely yeah yeah you know what's so beautiful about what you just said which is just a gift you just been you've that was the third gift clear gift that you've given me so far probably plenty others but just clear um was around knowing the nature of the psyche yeah you know what came to mind for me is i'll know i will be so um so connected to so many people. Like when I thought like tens of thousands, for me what came to mind is I'll have touched the, the hearts. Yeah. And they'll have touched mine of tens of thousands. Yes. And the value of that for me, um, as someone who, who values um, these deeply connected on soul realm type relationships, um, that's just like, it's just, I just think of like, just like gold coins, you know? Just like, it's so valuable. <laughs> To have those exactly interconnections with people, but what you said was just so beautiful, and it it truly takes it into when we're thinking of like shamanism, knowing realms of the soul and in other realms, et cetera, et cetera, is that's really this world that I'm dealing in is just not of an individual, but this kind of sub realm where we get to go to and be in it, and then while I'm in it and they're in it, but while I'm in it, I get to study, and I get to explore, and I get to know what's in this realm, and take notes, which I do, on what's going on here. What's the nature of reality here, in this realm, that might be different from this realm? How does it connect? How does this connect with this? How do I use words to explain to people how this world connects to this world and bridge them? Um, Oh man, and I, I really feel like so much of me lives on on that realm. So when I'm in session with somebody in a in a psychotherapy session, I'm home. Yeah. You know? We talk about modernity and being disconnected, but when I'm there, I'm fully alive. Yes. They can bring in trauma and let's be. Like yeah. we get to be in that, yeah. but from this other place. And so for me it's yeah. so like I walk out of session, people say Oh my God, you just had like, I don't know, five sessions. You must be so drained and so tired. And I'm like, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm powered up from that experience. So, oh, this is good. Yeah. This is good. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, I'm feeling it. We we too have a similar um, feeling when we get the opportunity to dive into the psyches of people, not only that we host on the program, but also when we're just meeting people at events etc when you feel like you can use the power of a question to and also the power of your presence you're so present that the person can feel love radiating from you Mm. so they feel genuine interest when you ask them a question about their life Mm -hmm. and then you ask them a question they open up they're Mm -hmm. opening up you get another question you they're they're like gosh this person cares and they keep opening Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful because then before you know it You've learned so much about someone whose uh, parents were in 
Vietnam and then they came over here and were mm. birthed here or the conflict that was happening in South Africa the last couple of decades. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, like, you're just, you, you're starting to pick up histories of the world. You're mm-hmm. picking up um, you, somebody, you're, you're showing, someone feels like someone else randomly cares about them. And so they're, mm. they're feeling great too because someone is giving a shit and mm-hmm. they're asking them questions. Mm-hmm. And so there's like, there's healing that happens from just good, the art of good conversation, the art of good open heartedness and question asking. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like a, like a, like a, like a streets version of, 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 uh, of psychotherapy or just, uh, of just, um, of, of art, the art of good conversation. True. And, and so, um, when I, when I think of things like, um, what has been happening the last couple of um, decades in the process of healing some of the hardest things that we've went through as, as especially as the United States, but even a- around the world with genocides and wars that are still mm. going on. Still going. Still going. We'll keep going. We'll keep going. Uh, we got to heal. And if we heal and if we feel more harmony and towards the direction, we can hopefully... Uh, cut that uh, lit this transgenerational trauma that keeps going but one of these main things that comes is that uh when you do things like you see like i'm so curious about this process for you you seeing that black studies you seeing wanting to help black men and women in corporate america mm-hmm. What is it? What is it like when you're in that process of seeing all of this? What's clicking for you? And also, how do you go about the formulation of these key things that you want to pass along? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. So, I want to go back to your earlier question about how I got, you know, childhood, how I got in here, and Let's then connecting to that because I think there's a there's a there's a thread there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so. Um, it's interesting just going all the way back so I was born into this Buddhist community that would chant in the morning and chant in the evening a lot of chanting very positive very like vigorous um, and very multicultural even though it was based out of Japan um, it was extremely uh, ethnically diverse and racially diverse here in America so for me grew up in a very uh, multicultural um, um environment and community in that Buddhist community, but then also in the San Francisco Bay area. And then I'm from a biracial family. So mom is Scottish Canadian from Saskatchewan and they go back, 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 and then to Scotland. Father, African-American, Chicago, Missouri, um, Mississippi. So you get, you know, bing, and then me and my twin sister um, made here in, in California. So just pulling from a lot of different communities and traditions in places that feel good for me and feel normal for me. So for me, a lot of my time is spent in very diverse communities. That's like where I feel probably most at home, where there's just like ethnic diversity and cultural diversity, things of that nature. Um, But then I went to UC Santa Barbara and started to learn about mentioned it, transatlantic slave trade, and um, just thought, wow, there's this like horror and tragedy that um, happened 
in uh, our past and how did we let this happen? And coming from this Buddhist community, which was about world peace and promoted it and me being very inside of that community. Like I hear stories about people, they say, oh, we didn't, you know, we didn't just go to church on Sunday. We went like every day. Like they were deeply in that. We were like that pretty deep in it, but from this Buddhist perspective. So things of inequality and racism, it's like, yeah, you know, I heard about it, but you know, I guess I was late to the party. I didn't, it didn't click for me until, you know, I really got to Santa Barbara and just started like there's this whole department, black studies, and they would talk about it and again and again and again. And I was like, damn, how did how did we go wrong? Where did we as humanity go wrong and let something like this happen? Doesn't need to happen. I grew up in a community where it wasn't happening. Yeah. Well, how is this happening? How did how did nobody stop this yeah. from happening? It's crazy. And then learning how um, you know, even till this day, there's just inequalities that still go on, and it just made me um really furious inside so you know 18 years old 19 years old prime age uh, psychologically for uh the myth of the adults having it all together breaking down and me realizing there's so much more randomness and there's so much more um you know hatred in the world and fear in the world and, and greed in the world and, and at times it's just unchecked and just runs rampant across civilization and i'm like whoa oh i need to stand up because the people who, who are already here ain't got this thing figured out so i need to find my place in it and help to find some solutions um and so it was at that point um when I really connected with my African-American lineage and ancestry and went and talked to my dad, I was like, dad, what do you know about like segregation and grandma, what do you know about this stuff? And wow. that's when they yeah. started, you know, they would tell me some, you know, some stories here and there and they didn't tell me a whole lot, but they did tell me things. And I learned about a lot of things in history books and um, I became an activist and uh, was co-founder of the African Black Coalition. It united all these uh, black student unions in the UC system. And we were successful, but um, raising millions of dollars for outreach to, um, uh, you know, get more uh, black students onto the campus to visit and see if they want to apply, et cetera, et cetera, to try and increase the numbers. The numbers were know, like 2.7%. So compared to California state average, it was just low or the national average of what do we have? 13% black in America, 14% black people in America, something like that. The numbers just seem like lower. They could be higher mm -hmm. is what we were thinking. And that was our effort towards fixing that. But even when I was so, you know, even when I was very successful with that, I would felt, I felt shitty inside. So there's this dichotomy of outward success and internal turmoil still. So I left all that behind. I left all the activism behind. And that's when I went on this kind of like spiritual journey inward. I was like, okay, that was important. Glad I did it, informed me kind of like rings of a tree. Boom, there's a ring. And now I'm growing, cut down a tree. You see all the rings. They could tell you like, they say like temperature. Was it a flood that year or a fire that year? you can yep. read what happened there? Yep. Um, so that was a ring and then I continued to grow like my next ring and I took this journey and, you know, just found that there was this whole inner world, which was also, but not also, but differently connected to this history and lineage outside. And there was so much freedom inside. 
And for me, I found a lot of healing inside. I mean, there was things that, you know, growing up, which were really hard for me to relate to in my own family. And I just didn't have the tools or the insights or skill set, I guess it was, on how to look at them and how to orient to them. Um, and very much looked at them as things that had happened um, to me that had impacted me versus a narrative of, damn, I'm dope. I got through this. Like, yeah. I'm here now. Like, I'm the one who maneuvered that and managed that and thought my way through that yep. and got to this point here and now. And my perspective wasn't that. And so I needed the skill set to even shift how I looked at it, which also kind of impacts, you know, how I can look at the world today that, yes, transatlantic slave trade's like horrible and decimating the black community still in many ways and the crack epidemic and things of that nature. But, you know, there's a lot of black people who are those that made it through that. Like, that's massive to come through slavery, to come through the crack epidemic, to continue to shine and, you know, and, and, and build and, and, and not give up and persevere. And yes, it's a lot of amazingness in that but that's about the you know like the black narrative um so there was that piece for me there's the personal healing piece for me there's the psychotherapy piece which is not black right coming out of the, the more of a jewish community and out of the jewish community coming into the larger uh white community in western europe and then from there to america and then you know insurance plans stop paying as much and then a lot of people kind of leave it a little bit uh but now it's creeping into corporate america um Starbucks has just thrown a ton of money toward mental health. It's starting to be a big thing because it's a stigma in corporate America. And now mental health is changing in the black community as well. Kanye West talking about bipolar, Jay-Z mm -hmm. and Beyonce talking about couples counseling. Yep. Um, Charlemagne the God, huge on anxiety. Yeah. So now we have this mashup of the corporate space and you have this black community space in Mental health is getting destigmatized for both. And for me, someone who walks between worlds, the black world, the white world, and also squarely center in the mixed world, I'm this bridge between yeah. this knowledge and this community and providing this experience. I guess for both. Yeah, they both need each other to succeed. Yes, yes. Yeah. Damn. A lot. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Data download. Data dump. Yeah. There's so many things here. So um, one of them that you mentioned is that um, we have this um, trauma continuing to happen across different places in the world where out of, out of that trauma somehow um, creates these greatest treasures in people's lives and they persevere they're resilient they somehow manage to get through and try and teach and help others to get through that type of stuff see it as these greatest gifts other people just transgenerationally have uh, serious uh issues with their um uh with money yep. um with uh with health yep. um, relationships relationships uh, out of wedlock childbirth yep. all different types of things mm -hmm. um and you know it's really important to make dis distinctions here that um that in the sense of like there are people from around the world that are of you know 
you can find people from the area of like Yugos, former Yugoslavia that mm. have that have had serious since the wars from from a couple decades ago that have had serious issues with the same not the same but similar traumas um, mm-hmm. that people that have faced other um, warlike scenarios before two or other traumas Absolutely. as well and so. Um, we're talking about this one in the U.S., but there's mm-hmm. so many of them that are around the world. Mm-hmm. Then you give this really good distinction also where you talk about how corporate America has a problem that many other places in the world don't have, which is that we have had our economy built up really, again, I don't know how um, how these numbers actually um, are, but apparently out of approximately a, uh, I believe the number was about a, about a $600 million United States economy mm. um, during the times of, of a, a pre-13th Amendment mm. um, that that a, about 50% of that economy was due to um, uh, slavery in the cotton industry. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about that statistic, mm-hmm. but it's a very interesting one to propose because the truth is what real percentage of the economic flourishing during those times was catalyzed by something like that. Leading up to all the way up to uh, 13th Amendment, Jim Crow, then the Civil Rights Act, etc. That all of a sudden now we have uh, we have a very um, a corporate America that's filled with men now women mm-hmm. women in corporate America, which is also completely different mm-hmm. versus women being homemakers. Completely different vibes. Women climbing up hierarchies. Um, women also having mental um, stress and health issues. Sure. Um, all of a sudden, now you have more uh, black people also in corporate America mm-hmm. now, and now you have um, who knows? Maybe there'll be a, a resurgence of, of Native Americans in corporate America as well mm-hmm. in the future. Who knows? Um, uh, Mexican Americans in corporate America, Latin Americans, etc. So, in the sense, how everyone is being affected by these similar economic pressures that are. Um, People feel like they're, like they're circular and they're being pushed through uh, square peg holes and they can't fit because true. we're trying to gingerbread stamp cookies out into a machinery it's True, where people have some sort of a deeper drive. Like, really, who so are true. you? What is your passion? Who are you? What is exactly. your passion? Your passion? Your passion? Yep. Because if you're not in the right fit, then you're going to have mental health problems. Exactly. And that's, what, that's where... Um, where if a, if, a, if, if a Kanye or a Beyonce or Jay-Z um, or any of these other leaders that are stepping up to talk about this, um, if they're willing to um, also be, not only take things like the transgenerational issues that have been happening, plus they're able to take the complexities of today's uh, mental health, internet economy, plus the... Uh, North stars not being actualized, inner artists not being actualized by the machinery as well. If they, if we can really calculate in this like hodgepodge of variables and try and be completely uh, transparent about the weight of all of these variables, how to architect that social fabric that is actually more prosperous, really 
I feel like so much of it comes from grassroots, just one-on-one dives into the psyche and healing like this, that if you catalyze tens of thousands of people healing over your lifetime, you're doing like insanely good for our society. And I think a lot of it comes from this one-on-one healing. And especially if someone like a, like a Kanye or a, or a Jay-Z or a Beyonce get a profound healing, then that can be massively catalytic. I mean, you just see it right now with Kanye. You see it right mm-hmm. now with the way that he's um, speaking about things that transcend him, mm-hmm. making music that's trying to transcend him, that's trying to inspire other people to um, uh, also find themselves and be themselves in the mm-hmm. world. So all of these things mix in together to what I think is now becoming um, one of the greatest healing swings that um, a society has ever made in its wow okay wow that's great news does it feel like it's a like it's really it just feels like you are part of this massive swing where who would have thought that you would have taken up a a role as a psychotherapist specifically for um, black men and women in corporate America um, that are having that 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 you want to have positive day to day moment to moment psychological and and well being in general. Yeah, you know I don't. I mean, it, it, I mean it's a beautiful thing. Love it, and I don't think it's so far fetched. Um, my father's a very spiritual man. And uh, was is deeply involved in the black community, um, so that's kind of what I was a part of as a child. Uh, not just in the Buddhist community, but you know, he just uh, more science and different uh, black community like forms of spirituality that I was exposed to. So, and I've always been spiritual as well. Um, and he was a businessman um, when he was working, and so for me. It's not too far-fetched that I'm doing what I'm doing now. And I always, even from a young age, like, asked me when I was a kid, like, what do you want to do? And, you know, superheroes, I was like, I want to, you know, I want to save the world, like, when I get older. So, for me, it was, I think, all is always a question of, like, how do I want to make positive impact? And I've done things throughout my life which have been kind of like give-back type activities. Um, and so, this stage of my life now, it's just been more about how do I... You know, uh, enable myself to do that in you know a structure where you got to pay bills and got to eat and got to you know put gas in the car and and make all that work on the adulting function inside of things as well. Um, so for me, it feels, I mean, it feels like a really, it feels like a great fit. Um, but I'll also name that Jewel Love um, as a being and as a brand is. Um, I work with the black community, but I don't just work with the black community. That's that's one of my offerings. That's one of my gifts and connection points. But I'm actually connected globally. Like who I am actually connects. I can connect with people all over the world. Yeah. Part partly because of how I look, I can fit into so many different places. Are you Mexican? Are you Latin? Are you this? Are you that? Like you know that whole Mediterranean region. I got that on lock. The whole mm. Arab thing. I got that on lock. Yeah. The whole you know. Puerto Rico, you name it, like check, check, check. Um, But I am mixed with black and white. And so it's like it connects me to like Europe in this ways and Africa in this ways. But even beyond all that, man, I mean, on some level, that's that's cool and that's nice and it's helpful um, and fun at times. But I think just the soul and the spirit that I have and that there are other people have it who are like these global citizens and see themselves connected to people all around the world. And that's how I see myself. 
And that's where I see myself going. And corporate America is, um, it's a great space to connect with people well, all over America that are truly moving and shaking. I mean, they're in centers of power that are unbelievable and have connections to resources. These, these are companies, you know, these are companies with 40,000, 100,000 people yeah. with like billions and billions of dollars like coming into them. They're just, they're massive in, in scope and in profit and in reach and in development. So to actually get a foothold in these worlds, it's almost like in governments, you know, around the world. And for us, Silicon Valley, I mean, to be born in anywhere else, it's just, this is the center of so much that we're a part of yeah. right here. Um, so to have, you know, to be able to tap that pulse and then to be able to whisper in someone's ear who has a significant amount of power um, and then to speak to significantly large audiences and start to help to move and craft, yes, profits, but yes, the earth, yes, humanity. And how do we move forward in a way which, you know, you know, stockholders are happy with, but that also deeply take into account what's going on with the world today and our relationship with it. I feel a sweet spot there and healing. Yeah, totally could see it, it being a huge part of that. But that's also the growing edge for for me uh, moving forward. So deeply, definitely connected to the black community and like a lot of soul connection there. And there's something connected to society and the world as a whole, which I'm interested in, in, in giving those gifts to. What did you end up synthesizing? Was it part of like the Buddhist path and part of what you were learning from your uh, mentor, uh, Eugene Porter, as well? What, what were the, how did you find these, these, the, the inner peace process that you're um, helping people with? Yeah. yeah, so the Buddhist community I was a part of growing up, they had this concept about uh, human revolution, turning uh, poison into medicine, which you can, you know, you know, difficulties into uh, a life of meaning. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was always the case, even through the ups and the downs and the feeling disconnected in junior high school and on top of the world in high school and then disconnected in college and then finding connection later on, like through all of that, I knew my life was leading somewhere. So I never lost track of that, even when times got difficult. And that's what always kept me afloat like okay this is tough but i know it's a purpose in this and i just need to struggle through and figure it out um so that philosophy that my life actually has great meaning and i'm here destined to give a big gift to the world or multiple gifts to the world has always kept me on course no matter where i've been or what's happened or no matter confusion or clear it, it's always been there for me psychotherapy was a way to do it this was the philosophy, but this for me, other people, they got their own ways, gotcha. Me, psychotherapy was just a massive catalyst to take all of that stuff and then actually make meaning out of it and a clear understanding of who I am, who uniquely I am, and how I relate to the world around me. It put things in order for me. Um, yeah. It gave me just a lot more clarity um to turn that you know turn struggles if you will or, or or questions um into clarity not just for myself though but how i w relate to the world around me and then to create gifts and offerings to the world around me and uh 
yeah so psychotherapy was huge in that for me so i think that's how they both came together for me and then let's let's unpack the um inner peace process yes yeah okay i love this emotional mastery first yes yes so all right so many of my clients come in harvard grad yale grad super smart sharp um love these guys and an education they never got oftentimes is around emotional literacy just simple stuff go yes. back to third grade you know there's a picture of the happy face and a little picture of the sad face and the angry face but we go to collegiate levels you know hundreds of different feelings emotions for them to begin to identify all this rich terrain that's inside of themselves it's kind of like painting the picture with like three crayons very simple you know versus just like masterful like watercolor you know yeah, just like yeah, yeah. creations that are just like oh this is just like brilliant kind yeah. of a thing yeah. so how rich do you how in what resolution do you see the textures of emotions in life in uh in a couple pixels crayons or in the rich watercolors yeah i like that yeah. there you go yeah, yeah. yeah. high def watercolors exactly retina display water exactly <laughs> and there's tools that help people do that just like having the retina you know um this tool that can display what's there with such clarity so you know just basic sit there with a sheet of feelings shout out to nonviolent communication marshall rosenberg appreciate you um yeah. his center came out with this sheet you know front it's like yes. positive back is kind of like negative and I'll have a client just sit there with the sheet and, you know, talk about their boss and say, well, when that happened, like, how did that make you feel? And say, well, you know, just upset and like grab the sheet and then they grab it. And they're just like, you know, just like upset, remorseful, like embarrassed, uh, ashamed, like sad, like curious, despondent, just like this, all of this range is <laughs> come. And I'm just writing them all down, just like, you know, providing that validation because yeah. for many of them. And it could be his man, it could be his black man, but yeah. just people, like very few people have the experience of having their internal reality truly validated That's right. by another person. So I'm like, wait, 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 this is important. Yeah. This is important. What's that one again? A shame. Got it. Let's keep going. All of them. How? All of them down. We're going to write them all down. Might stop after 10. Is there any more? Look over the list. Lo and behold, guess what? We're going for another 15, you know, feeling, getting them all down. And then from there, I say, well, what was that like for you? Yeah. They're like, damn, I didn't even know I felt that way. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Doesn't mean it wasn't there. Yeah. It was there. It impacts you. It affects you. But this helps you get clarity with it. So it's improving their relationship with themselves improving their relationship with themselves. From there, I get the intensity number, one through 10. Mm. Sad might be a one, anger might be to 10. Clears that up. Yeah. And then I get them to write down um, their thoughts about each one of those feelings. So kind of like a lot of CBT structure, cognitive behavioral therapy type structure. And that process alone just gives them so much clarity on how they relate to the stimulus going on outside of them and that alone clarity on that just enables them to just have a sigh of relief around it so that's step one yeah. um step two is healthy mindset shifts i'll keep the second two brief 
Uh, third is optimal performance. Healthy mindset shift is looking at any outdated, outmoded, ineffective mindset shifts they picked up from the past. Then identifying and adopting healthier mindset shifts that can move them toward their goal. Um, I can't be authentic, my authentic self at work too. Yeah, I can be my authentic authentic self at work. And then once we have those thoughts, uh, we go into optimal performance, which are just small, measurable goals that they can do between sessions, uh, really in alignment with those healthy mindset shifts that if they do them, could get them closer to affirming that healthy mindset shift. Um, and usually that leads to more positive feelings and emotions and alignment. And they may have to leave that job in order to get a real job, not a real job, but a job that really supports them yes. or entrepreneurial pursuit that aligns with the gift that they have to give inside, et cetera, yes, et cetera. Yes. So those are really the three steps uh, really around emotional mastery really yeah. is what it is. Yeah. And it's been now, I think, uh, Several times in the last even couple months, I've heard the Dalai Lama talking about emotional hygiene being such an important thing. We talk about physical mm. hygiene, smelling mm. good, cleaning mm. ourselves up. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about emotional hygiene enough. Mm. And so to see, to hear about this, is, it sounds very good to specifically be focusing on um, black men in the psychotherapy and at large also yeah. with women. Yep. But just having this um, sort of emotional hygienic process where we're identifying um, what is uh these complex emotions with higher resolution and then that we're able to um in a sense have a healthier mindset around our uh, decision making where absolutely we, absolutely yeah. yep like this is this is like why aren't we all in like fourth four-year-old five-year-old six-year-old seven-year-old just like started to really dive we could be masters by 18 in mm-hmm. social emotional intelligence brains are incredible mm-hmm. um and the neuroplasticity of youth is incredible but we choose to uh, to is part of the big challenge in creation that we have uh, these these skill sets we only develop in our in our 20s or 30s or sometimes never at all instead of in the younger days in the kindergarten and and preschool days instead of uh in grade schools so, like we need to be doing it younger and younger um mm-hmm. especially given that eq is going to be one of the last areas that ai can try and the softer skills exactly yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's not yeah. a trip yeah. It's a trip because everything that you're doing with psychotherapy is allowing people to become more and more socially, emotionally, spiritually whole, which then makes them less replaceable by AI. Mm-hmm. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's people that are coming in and teaching that to youth now. Um, you know, there's different programs. And it, and then on the AI thing, uh, you know, there's already, you know, they're coming from my job already as far as even therapists. Yeah, me um, too. Show host. <laughs> yeah. So um, hanging on as long as, yeah, as, long as, as long, we can. As long as we can. Ah! We're going to be here. I mean, companies have already been hitting me up, like VR companies, and saying, yeah. we want to create a program to do therapy in VR, and we don't actually need the therapist. We're just going to create these programs that people can step into. And so, you know, and apps are just taking off left and right. So, yeah. Yeah. Trying to get in on the tech angle, my friend. Yeah, 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 which is good. It's actually good. Maybe you have your, maybe you do jo- join in on the VR or the voice. Voice is another one. Um, voice. Yeah, like uh, Alexa or Google Assistant. Gotcha. Like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Good point. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, play the uh, Jewel Love uh, Three Steps to Inner Peace. Uh, yeah. 
bro, can we use my voice? Yeah, yeah. yeah. See? Good call. Yeah, yeah. So getting on that is, uh, yeah, is, makes us less yeah, replaceable too. Um, you were teaching me about this through one of your videos. I thought it was... We don't talk about this enough either. The stigma that's associated with these processes of becoming more vulnerable, more socially, emotionally aware and intelligent. Yeah. There's these stigmas um, that I'm less of a man if I cry. I mean, that's like the most, I guess, classic yeah. um, one. But there's many more. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, walk us through these stigmas and how to transcend them and get to our fullest yeah um so i think those are <clears throat> so i guess we could just stick with men um then for now is um yeah sure so the socialization of don't be a bitch don't you know uh dudes are told you know you're gay these are all the classics that i was not as not positive but what i heard when i was growing up and probably said as well i'm sure um so those being two, don't be, you know, don't uh, don't be weak or dude's a pussy or acting like that. It's just like anything that aligned with <clears throat> with femininity was um, femininity, weakness or sadness or if it just wasn't tough, it was kind of relegated to um, something that was viewed as less than or weaker than or in the realm of uh, of feminine. And I think that's just such a uh, toxicity um and i'm not a fan of using toxic masculinity and i actually um just to clarify really quickly and then to circle back uh, mm -hmm. talk about like toxic masculinity uh healthy masculinity uh, uh toxic manhood like healthy manhood and thinking about masculinity really just being as uh, assertiveness um and femininity being about receptivity um and so that's not necessarily male nor female. When we talk about toxic masculinity, anybody can be use their assertiveness in a way that's harmful to themselves or to others, anybody. Same thing with uh, passivity can be used in ways that uh, harms oneself or others. And then there's things like manhood, uh, which is I view uh, of like, uh, and this kind of relates to black executive men, but also urban healers which is having a certain level of achievement in realms of finance, relationships, I'd say mental and emotional health when and, when and where possible because some mental health disorders are just not solvable right now. Um, career, possibly a sense of purpose and achieving those states. And oftentimes when men don't achieve those states by a certain age, they don't seem to be particularly happy or satisfied. So what comes to mind is what are the societal structures in place that allow men to achieve proficiency or excellency or mastery in those realms as an adult male? And then what are some systems that either um, challenge men to achieve that state or prohibit them altogether? And when we then circle all the way back around to this thing around emotions, I think that's one place that's it's getting looked at now in our society. Um, of what are some structures and systems that can help men actually mature into that place where if they want they can tap into this rich emotional tapestry which can allow them to form uh, deep and meaningful relationships which is important for human beings to thrive and survive i believe and many studies have shown um, so I think that's just the shift that I see happening now especially post me too era cannot leave that out it was it just is um, and, and been important in this shift that's been happening for a bit. 
Um, I think it's definitely catalyzed it. So <clears throat> what I've done is I look at at the same time while that's all happening, I keep in mind, you know, as a man and grew up in the Bay Area and those stereotypes and this, that, and third, um, this thing around alpha energy, and it's very important. So now we're kind of like in the men's work world and, and kind of leaning in that direction where there's a lot of talk about like alpha energy and beta energy and like pickup world and, and men's psychology type world and maybe even some sports psychology type world where that concept it still played out in a very big way and definitely probably like gang type world as well um, alpha alpha male alpha energy leadership energy the military same as well hierarchy Jordan Peterson talks about that very much as well so how do we capture that it's not going anywhere for men you put 100 men in the room you're gonna figure out the alpha by the end of seven days like it's just gonna sort itself out it just and then you have a leader or a leadership kind of a thing um, and it may change over time, but there it is. Um, so how do we not try and get rid of that? There's often a philosophy of like out with that and then squash the hierarchy and just everything equal across the board. And I'm not really for that. I think um, how is it that we harness this alpha energy that happens in groups, but also exists, I think, within men? Um, and then just going back to this, this the masculinity, like assertiveness. How do we, you know, capture that and honor that? Don't take that away from a man. That can be his safety. That can be his in-group identity uh, safety. And if you take that away and strip him of that and don't give him anywhere to go, it's like annihilation, like psychologically. It's like a death threat. And, um, yeah. you know, for him to lose status to that degree, it's just not a tenable you know, a uh, result or thing to tell a man to do. So, I'm, you know what? I'm not so much for that. But what comes to mind for me is how do you create an identity brand and harness this alpha energy for a pro-social outcome? So an example of these things are like sports teams, not the pro-social necessarily. But a sports team, people, you know, I used to wear a Joe Montana jersey. Another man. I'm, and when I wore his jersey, I was the man. Why? Because everybody likes Montana. He's an approved male. And males, many of us, not all, but many walk around from sunup to sundown trying to get our man card checked. Mm. How we do our hair, the clothes we wear, the words we say, the way we position our bodies as we move around town, you know, the postures, uh, the lingo, the things that we watch. It's all like, okay, you're a man. Okay, you're a man. Okay, you're a man. Wear that jersey. You're a superman. You're a hero man. You're, you're stamp, 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 stamp. So I keep that in mind. Hence, black executive men says nothing about psychotherapy. At all. But it's a powerful brand. And it's the aspiration of my clients. That's what they want to be and see themselves as to some degree already. Yes. I work with a lot of middle managers, not necessarily actually corporate, like the head of the Google, right? Yeah. More like middle manager types that want to be up there or start their own company. Yeah. So that's what I use to project to the world. And they feel powerful associating themselves with that brand. And they can wear a jersey that says black executive man. They can have a little pin that says B-E-M. They can have a hoodie on and do wear them that say B-E-M. 
it's a powerful thing. It affirms their manhood and masculinity and alpha energy. Yeah. But on the inside, when they're sitting with me in a room, what are we doing? We're doing classic psychotherapy. We're doing same thing that most other people are doing. Yeah. Emotional literacy, tears, processing trauma, et cetera, et cetera. So I think in this movement to cultivate emotional hygiene, there is the approach of just saying it flat out. Emotional literacy is important. Open up, talk about how you feel. You can even get fierce. It's important. Open up. You got to show how you feel. This is it. This is the right way. Do it this way. This is the one. This is the one. This is the one. Go, go, go. But even in that, there's assertiveness I'm using. I'm still harnessing that energy. And then there's a little more subtle form, which is brand formation that secures men in a male identity that's still lauded by society, but secretly, not even necessarily secretly, but the content of it is around emotional literacy. Not the only thing, emotional literacy, but a big part of it being emotional literacy. And so that's where my mind I, likes to occupy as far as the marketplace. How do you sell the sizzle, not the steak? How do you sell what people want, give them what they need? And especially for male identity brands, and, and, and I love doing stuff like that. This, in so many ways, takes me through a, uh, a process of seeing myself in the shoes of people that come and talk to you because all of us can feel like we have some sort of growth that we want to embark on, some sort of ways that we want our consciousness to evolve, but it's not something that we can approach our mom or our dad about. It's not something mm -hmm. that is easy to talk to maybe even a best friend about. It's not something easy to talk to like a romantic intimate partner about. Mm. And that's why partly this whole like psychotherapy, shamanic resurgence is happening around the world. Um, people want to be registered. They want to be felt, heard, seen. Mm -hmm. um, they want to ascend with someone else in a way that can uh, f help them further, not only evolve uh, to become a better person, but also to evolve where they're at in the world um, mm -hmm. and to hopefully bring their gifts even more fully into the world. Absolutely. And uh, as often as we see a food restaurant across the corners of our mo modernity, why don't we also see a little like social emotional wellness around that many on the corner of so many different places in modernity? We don't. Mm -hmm. Social emotional intelligence have taken a sweep under the rug while you can pump yourself full of alcohol or food um, sugar salt fat whatever you want mm -hmm. pretty much at your convenience mm -hmm. um so every little like strip mall or shopping mall area having some sort of a social emotional component to it would be great mm -hmm. and um to democratize that through vr through voice or through um any of the other tech platforms that we have now this is different it's different eye to eye is much much different than through the but vr is becoming indistinguishable etc we have artificial intelligences that can do you know trillions of permutations of your psychometric state and based on some big data 
input that they have about people like you and Mm -hmm. so it's just harder for a human to have that same synthesis of trillions of Mm. permutations as an ai anyway um relevant 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 all of all of those things together like it's really at the end of the day it's about ascension it's about evolution it's about growth it's about healing it's about collective prosperity Mm. um that's what it, it comes down to and so for me to hear your both your strategies as well as how to overcome stigmas as well as how to make it so that um that uh, someone that has something deep within them that they want to uh open about to heat to heal for with safe energy mm-hmm. i mean nothing really is i think more important than that may be one of the most paramount things is um, being there for other people for their evolution and their growth and knowing how to be there for that mm. and also you yourself knowing how to evolve and grow with other people i love that yeah yeah i mean i think that's a beautiful framework um even as it you know even teaching it's like how to how to teach people how to do that um how to teach people a large number of people of how to be with other people as they go through their evolutionary process. And um, I don't know how formally it needs to be put, but um, just having that skill set and that insight that that's what's going on yeah. uh, with so many of us, I think would be a valuable um, tool and skill set and needed as we come into these very changing, very changing times that are, that are upon us. Yeah, yeah I yeah. agree. There's a um, there's a couple other thoughts that I think we should that I think we should talk about on the way out. Um, okay. Yeah, employee resource groups. This was very interesting. You're teaching me about how there's you know little pockets of of these that then we don't even know that they exist, and so then just tr- know. trying to share with other people that yeah. they exist so they can leverage those resources for healing, for growth, for evolution. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so um, just noting that you know there's just very there's all kind of different. Um, black communities that that exist um so i think in the black community there's just like uh probably like many communities there's different flavors depending on where that 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 group racial or ethnic group is in the country um or in the world or the religion that they kind of practice but in the black community there's there's quite a there's still you know a lot of similarity but then there's also definitely some variations um, you know, there's black Muslims, there's black Christians and Christ, certain Christian denominations. Um, and the Buddhists, like the ones that I grew up with, um, some of the community was, was black. Um, you know, there's wealthy black people and like really poor and then like ghetto or hood, you know, black people or like black people in the hills or there's the, um, the fraternities and sororities. And, uh, and then there's this whole corporate black America yep. community, which I, I knew not. I knew nothing about you like as I think about it, my uncle was African American, he worked um what do you for PG and E? Not PG and E, ATT, something like that. He he was involved in um corporate America to a degree, but now I'm I'm in it. I'm in it much more now. And they have these black communities that exist there. Uh, from a few hundred to a few, you know, thousand people that are at a um, at a company for however long. Microsoft, they have a black community there that's over forty years old, uh, maybe over fifty, maybe over fifty years old, maybe over sixty. I mean, 
Whoa. Bump and segregation and 60s so 60 yeah. yeah probably like 50 years old something like wow. that wow yeah and they you know presidents and all this of this community it's not just a club it ain't just a club it's a community and and they support each other they have events there and it's connected and inside just like you imagine um you know, you have like the black community inside of America, United States of America. It's like, yeah, the black community or culture or people. And then you have this whole little niche community inside of Microsoft. This whole other like tech company, like massive company. And they're there and they have their own unique culture that's happening inside. So for me, coming into this world in the last couple of years, I'm just starting to see that there's uh, 90% of Fortune 500 companies have black ERGs, employee resource groups. Interesting. And many of them don't know about each other. Some of them do. Some do, but they kind of cluster in their own company, which makes sense. But they have all these communities that exist in there. So for me, it's just fascinating to then like, for me, it feels like peeking my head above like water or the clouds almost. And the reason why I put it like that really is because they have so many resources at their disposal. Like many of these people are paid very well for what they do, like hundreds of thousands of dollars to do their job, stock benefits, annual bonuses, um, working from home, like many times. It's just, um, it's um, I think it would amaze a lot of black people, like a lot of working class black people that these people exist because many of us don't even know they exist. The common narrative doesn't show them often existing. That's not something we see basketball players, we see cops, we, you know, there's a Cosby show, Will Smith. Like, yeah, Will Smith, you know, nice home, uh, fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but it's a whole class of people and they're amazing. Like they're really, the ones I know and I'm meeting, they're really good people. They care about giving back to the larger black community. Uh, care about community service, um, care about healing. It's just, it's a new narrative that I think most people don't even know exists in the black community that to me, it's a positive one. Um, and it's one that should definitely be celebrated. They're successful. They're successful black people. And it's a beautiful narrative. And more black people especially need to see this about other black people that we're doing it. It's happening. And by seeing it, there's this whole thing about representation matters. And when you can see somebody who's doing what you want to do in the mind, it just makes it easier for you to do it as well. See it, so, be it. See it, be it. So for me in that world, it's just been, um, it's been incredible. It, it's been incredibly affirming. And I think yeah. it would be for the larger black community if they saw this level of success and intelligence and, and just just getting it it's amazing yeah it's inspiring i'm so fascinated when you talk about the um employee resource groups and just these little pockets of of uh in a sense it's like community that is hyper-focused on the specific ascension of a specific group, mm -hmm. which is great because um, sometimes it is that the most uh, hurt uh, people um, in a specific scenario 
are the ones that need the most focus. Mm. Um, and so for that ascension, for the best sharing practices and stuff. So when you talk about it at the corporations, when you talk about it um, at the level of um, doing things like figuring out, like, why is it that so many um, of our um, po- of our uh, pr- prison population is, is black? Why mm. is it that, um, that so much of our... Um, of our uh like what is being taught to children around the different areas what is being taught at the corporate levels around the different areas of the u.s and around the world really and just figuring out what are the best practices i mean it really at the end it's just trying to find the best patterns for enabling children to self-actualize their unique gifts into the world and to heal and integrate transgenerational trauma and maximize prosperity for all. So ERGs were a very interesting one you were teaching me about. Um, Can I just add one yeah, thing real yeah. quick? Yeah, go so for I, it. I definitely hear you on the, uh, like those that are most hurt having um, access and resources. And I think that's huge to provide people that are hurting with um, adequate resources. I think in the case of the ERG, a lot of times... Um, it's really about um there's a few things but one is kind of really i would say just being their authentic self in the workplace like they just want to be able to uh more fully be themselves in in the workplace and finding that there are some um some barriers culturally and structurally uh structurally culturally uh for them to be able to to do that and and just kind of them walking on eggshells about like wait how much do i bring in but the workplace says bring your whole self in but i don't know if this would really be appropriate here and there's this piece of and it's not experienced by by all my um all my uh clients for sure but it's a constant state of not knowing if somebody is looking at them in a disparaging way because they're uh, black or African or African-American. And that level of what can get to, not in all clients, but in some, at times, this level of uh, paranoia. And I don't mean like a clinical state of paranoia where they think people are like out to get them or aren't or something, but this nagging wondering if, did they not get the raise because of their skill set or because of their race? Did they get the raise promotion because of their skill set or because of their race? Is somebody treating them poorly because of their skill set or because of their race? And there's so much movement toward, I think, in society that not being an issue, but it's still in you know many cases for many people, it still is an issue. And so you have these workers who are coming in trying to do the job like everybody, just do the job, get the job done, and then managing all of these interactions and dynamics and not fully being crystal clear on all of the elements at play and how much race is or is not a part of those. And I think it's the not knowing. Yeah. In many in some cases they feel you know they know or they feel like they know the or they know. Bias. Um whether it's unconscious or not, but just them being not fully aware of how much they're being impacted by their race in the eyes of others yeah 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 Yeah, and so that in and of itself can take a toll which is why main a main reason why these ergs exist for them to come together and like not have to focus on that and have a reprieve from that type of experience in their own bodies for for a while yes yeah yes 
There's um, another black community that you were teaching me about, the Gulagichi. 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 Which I thought was so interesting yeah. um, that they still exist. G-U-L-L-A-H and then G-E-E-C-H-E-E, -E -E, which are in the uh, southeastern part of the United States, which have retained lots of their um, African indigenous uh, heritages. Um, that's, that's a very interesting uh, black community pocket still yeah. existing. We talked a little bit about um, the importance of one-on-one -on -one mentorship and having um, yeah. uh, uh, having that, like, see it, be it, that type of stuff yep. is just so important. Um, some of the things that we typically ask our guests on the program is, like, you know, there's a big issue that we're facing right now with um, uh, inequality. We see uh, the way that trees... Uh, larger trees sequester excess carbon and redistribute them across their tree and fungal networks to smaller seedlings and smaller trees. We don't really have that same style of inclusive stakeholding in our hierarchies. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's causing a little bit of a problem where someone's just out and about buying more and more properties and making it harder for maybe artists or entrepreneurs, spiritual leaders in those metropolitan areas to, you know, because real estate's a great asset to diversify your portfolio with. And so, you know, buying a 15th designer bag instead of actually caring about the person that's on the street that's your brother or sister, these are very hard things to analyze. What are your thoughts about inequality and how we can architect a more prosperous social fabric? Yeah, that's a great question. My goodness. Um, you know, there is a... Um, yeah, so, yeah, I guess there's couple of answers come to mind there's a program called hidden genius uh which teaches uh black boys how to code and uh, it is that very much that see it be it type model because in their advertising and, and in marketing um you'll see pictures of these black boys again and again like coding and coding and they're happy and they're coding and they're traveling and they're coding and they're going to south africa and they're coding and they're going to the raiders game and they're coding and they're coding and, coding and, coding. and after a while just like I just start to, you know, um, like even my cousins and they're mixed black and white, uh, a lot of mixed black and white people in my family. Um, it's pretty, it's fairly predominant, somewhat, yeah, fairly predominant in my generation, at least. And, um, and so I think of them and I'm like, and I know they're into tech like heavy. I'm like, oh, they could, you know, go to this hidden gene. Maybe they're interested in this hidden genius thing. So even that's this narrative that's being created um, that can help track um, uh, black boys well, into this program. And then they're connected with you know, Silicon Valley and tying them into this tech community and helping to begin to fill the pipeline. Because there's been this like outcry of like, there's not enough um, you know, black people in tech. And then tech companies are like, I see them out there. They're hustling. Like they're trying to pick people up. I don't know all that's going on there, but... I see them going for it. Like they have people hired for these kind of like diversifying their workplace type of roles. And um, I think if there was even more, even more, I don't know how many there are, but even more, and they were connected to these companies, um, you could really start that shift of young black boys seeing themselves as this is an option, this is a pathway toward this lifestyle and there's the infrastructure of mentoring etc to get them to go in that direction now that's a that's a small thing it's a big thing it's mighty it's small and mighty it's not you know taking on thousands and thousands of people or boys but um that's one thing that to me it speaks of how to how do we integrate populations that 
maybe under-resourced or historically marginalized or just feel like they can't succeed and give them the mental pathway in order to um, obtain the skill set to succeed in this society and in, and in this economy, which is a yeah. freaking robust, opportune-filled, depending on what side of the coin you're on, type of economy. As far as kind of like leveling the economy or like just outright give back, um, or just moral evolution to the point where it's not like a government forcing function, but rather it's an awakening um, of people that are uh, deciding to uh, architect a next generation um, that's more prosperous. For more people. For more people, yeah. Yeah, I think it would just be a ma- So I, I don't really know. I've heard things about the new economy um, conversation. Uh, I'm just very kind of newer to that. Um, yeah. there's at times people go to like conscious capitalism or yeah. you have folks lean more into socialism, which says, you know, it's, they probably might not exactly, but might kind of look at it that way of like, how do we just maybe not full on socialism, but distribute more of the, uh, the profits of, uh, within our society more equitably, things of that nature. And, you know, from the goodness of their heart may very well believe that that's the best way to go about doing it. How to actually get it done in a place like America? I gotta sit with that one. I gotta go into my dream space and see what comes up for that yeah. one. That's a, that's a huge task. Yeah. And then, do you think that we are a biological bootloader for digital superintelligence? If I understand what you're asking me. <laughs> Um. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, you know, I've been thinking. You know, I'm not too much of a conspiracy theorist, per se. Um, so that's why this one concerns me, because it feels just next, definitely next. I mean, technology is just it's growing so rapidly in in our. I don't know exactly how old you are but you know 27 yeah yeah 27 in our lifetime it's grown so tremendously fast and growing so fast and seeming like it just going to keep going faster and faster yeah um did they talk about it just being able to do things much more efficiently than than we can and i can totally see that like i was driving over here i was like you know you know bones and like yoga love going to yoga two three times a week uh great experience and then sometimes you know i just feel like you know bones or fingers or th- some things could get kind of stiff and i'm like damn if i had like titanium like bones like <laughs> muscles and things not muscles but like fingers and things like that it's just like terminator type you know it's like i could just be bionic man yeah. you know so i think even the lure of human not all but me in some ways and probably others is like i could process faster I could keep up. I could get an advantage. Oh yeah. If I had this stuff, like, what is a uh, um, head of Tesla, Elon Musk? He's like, we got an output problem. You know, we got two thumbs. Neuralace, yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, I know it, it draws and should draw quite a bit of criticism for all kind of reasons, but um, I think the demand is actually there in the human population for that kind of advancement. Um, and there's just you know it's interesting it seems like tech just kind of will have a mind and a life of its 
own that could definitely will definitely outpace our abilities um and it's a trip because i was listening to sam harris over here as well and he's like our reaction is not as as big as it should be to the threat of you know some possible annihilation and i think it's true um there's even like a intrigue uh with it which is really curious thing to sit with uh which i haven't done a whole lot of yet but uh i'm actually i I think so yeah yeah and it's mind-boggling yeah do you think we have free will yes within the confines of (laughs) within certain confines yeah yeah the confines of society values that are around us um uh, free will yes uh do we exercise it fully i don't even think we're even fully aware of all the options yeah that we necessarily have but yeah free will yes i think we do have it more degrees of freedom for more um people the more spiritually awake you are the more you're able to pick your with your free will rather than be manipulated um things yeah. like that yep yeah exactly what do you think is most beautiful? Flowers. <laughs> yeah. House fast. Definitely flowers. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 peony. Love flowers. And yeah. I you know, second comes up for me is leaves. Leaves uh many oh, times yeah. that have fallen on the ground already, like fall time. And just all the colors, for me it speaks to um it speaks to humanity. About every leaf is just slightly a little bit different. And um but just so, just so beautiful. And I'm just amazed by some of the leaves I see on the ground, you know, bright yellow and like really like, like burnt, like orange, like reddish leaves. And it's something that it moves me inside. Yeah. Just the variety and the vibrancy of these leaves and that they're on the ground. There's something interestingly about that, like discarded, like no one cares or they're done, but they're so beautiful there. Yeah. <laughs> that juxtaposition so beautiful like for me. That. It's very cyclical, cycle of lifey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that yeah. phase of it yeah, as that well. Yeah, phase of it. Exactly. Oh, so beautiful, but on the way out. Yeah. Growth, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I like that answer a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I forgot uh, which... Uh, it might have been uh, like Ralph Waldo Emerson or something like that that said that... Uh, the earth laughs in flowers. <laughs> mm, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I love that one too. It's a good one. I mean, I like just the the earth laughing. Just even yeah. that concept. Yeah. But then in flowers, it just adds just like that yes. beautiful, you know? It could and, be waves or anything. And that would been, yeah. been dope one too with like flowers. I like that one. The earth also secretes all of the consciousness awakening um, plant medicines that we need to awaken. That's true. It secretes them, and we consume them, awaken, and then realize who we really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a gift. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. love that. Yeah. Thanks to the earth right now. I love it. Yeah. These breaths of air coming from her. Mm-hmm. We're so deeply interconnected with it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Jules, this has been epic. Yeah, it's great. This has been so fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming mm-hmm. on the program. Absolutely. Thank you for having fun. me. Yeah.
Yeah, nice deep dive. Yeah, super good deep dive. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. We'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below on the episode. Let us know what you're thinking. We would love for you to have more conversations with your friends, families, coworkers, people online about black corporate America, but all these topics that Jewel was teaching us on the program today, have more conversations about those. Check out the links in the bio below. Again, blackexecutivemen.com, theurbanhealers.com. Also, check out Jewel's content on his YouTube page, LinkedIn, Instagram. Check those out as well. And support the artists, the entrepreneurs, the spiritual leaders, the organizers in around the world that you believe in in your community. Support them, mm-hmm. help them grow. You can find out our links below to our show so we can continue doing cool things like traveling around, interviewing great minds, etc. PayPal, Patreon, cryptocurrency, all those links are below. And go and build the future, everyone. Architect that more prosperous social fabric that our hearts know is possible. We love you very much. We'll see you soon. Peace. Peace.